Agents Podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by Chime. Chime offers an award-winning sales acceleration platform built for the real estate industry. Powered by artificial intelligence, Chime delivers the data insights agents and teams need to make the most out of the leads they already have and to get to a close faster. Through an expanding partner network, Chime's easy-to-use conversion platform also delivers quality sales-ready leads from the get-go. It eliminates time-consuming manual tasks and helps agents focus on what matters most, building their network, servicing clients, and growing the bottom line. To learn more about how Chime can help you, visit www.chime.me or call 833-682-4463. Welcome back, Lab Code Nation. We are back for a second episode. So if you're listening to this one, episode 142, you missed 141. Stop what you're doing. Go back and listen to that one because it was so good. We had to bring Alan Dalton back for a second because we still have things to discuss. And we left off last time, Alan, we were talking about a lot of things. I mean, you you left uh, really very few stones unturned there and you dropped tons of knowledge and but but two of the places that i want to go here was specifically as we were talking about you know the 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 evolution of the industry and the zillows and the rdcs and things like that and the one question that i didn't get a chance to ask you was you know how did we get here how did we get to this place what is what is your take on that and i guess as a follow-up to that how do we get the hell out of it or how do we overcome it that's a great question, and I, I've actually never been asked that question in all of my years, and so that, that's a very evocative and provocative uh, question. I, I would start off by saying this. First of all, when I first came into the industry, back then, perhaps the number one single ad that agents across the country used 45 years ago was this ad, get ready for this. I'm a full-time agent, okay? Because 45 years ago, the industry was so much different that it had so many part-time people that by virtue of somebody being full-time, that in essence became the greatest credential that one wanted to showcase to the public. Now you don't see that anymore today but that's how far they we have come from agents thinking by virtue of them being in the business full time was so meritorious that they had to manifest that in the in the newspapers and all of their advertising to where now we're telling and and it's accurate that people that are leading teams leading their businesses they're essentially CEOs of their of their business now that's the evolution in terms of how much more successful a realtor can become, how much more sophisticated they become, how much more multidimensional. And one of the challenges of that is that today we're experiencing, as I said before, a malignancy of overeducation. Uh, there's so many, every day there's a new software program, there's a new coaching program, there's a new marketing program, there's a, a new contact management system, but I want to speak to more to your point now, look at the anthropological evolution here. So 30, 40 years ago, 90, 
seven, 98% of all real estate companies had 12 or fewer agents. And so back then, if a agent got to the point where they recognized their, they were a listing rainmaker, they, and especially if they were entrepreneurial, and you, and you find that I found that the agents that are the most entrepreneurial are typically from a family where somebody owned a restaurant, owned a gas station, owned a small business. So that's in their DNA. And so when they were working in a, with a broker, and back then, 95% of the brokers listed and sold, and a lot of them used their brokerage as a, as a personal springboard to enjoying greater celebrityhood because a lot of them, the companies were even named after them. So now, what did a realtor do 30 or 40 years ago when they wanted to go out on their own? They could go out, and if, and if, and if Alan Dalton worked for Jeff Realty, I could leave and I'd start Dalton Realty. That option over the last 10 to 15 years became very, very more, much more unlikely and difficult because 20 or 30 years ago, especially about 20 years ago, the companies, the industry started to be consolidated. So now, whereas before, 98% of offices or so, I'm just guessing it, but it's accurate, I know, had 12 or fewer agents. Now companies are consolidated. Why did they consolidate? Because somebody came in and said, this is, this is an inefficient industry. You've got towns where every town has two or three offices. Every, large companies now have one office in every town. So you've got, in a small town, all of these offices. And so let's buy a company and merge them into our company. So now you have two offices in the same town with 30 agents each, 30 agents each now becoming a mega office with 60 agents. So therefore that took out all of the inefficiencies and it brought in synergies. But the byproduct of that, it became more difficult for an agent to go against large entrenched uh, regional brokerages. So the only place they could go over the last five, 10 years from now is to become teams, to start a team. So now the whole notion of being a company within a company didn't exist 35, 40, or 50 years ago. That same person would have started their own little company, but now they couldn't go up against 50, 60, 70 office regional brokerages, all with 80, 90, 100 people, technology, marketing, referral network, and so forth, and so on. So that has changed the industry infrastructurally but a lot of the way in which the industry perceives its value and conveys its value has not evolved at the same pace. And, and, so, and so, that's, so that really is a sort of segue into my little don'ts and do's because a lot of what agents say today, they were saying the same things uh, 30 or 40 years ago. For example, 40 years ago, if not 50 years ago, the great Tommy Hopkins, have you heard, did you ever hear of him, Jeff? No. No, okay, well, see, anybody in the industry more than 30 years, would back then, like today, we have a Mount Rushmore of coaches. We have Tom Ferry, Mike Ferry, Brian Buffini, Craig Proctor, Debbie DeGroat, Jerry Johnson, you know, we've got six or seven, okay, coaches in the Parthenon of elite coaches that have become brands, right? People will actually say, hey, I'm a Buffiniite, I'm a Ferryite. 
and so forth and so on. I'm a ninja, okay? And so, and so, and so be, because of that, what, what you have is that, but, but even with that, you still have a lot of the things that people were saying 40, 50 years ago. But 40, 50 years ago, there was only one person on Mount Rushmore. His name was Tommy Hopkins. And Tommy Hopkins went across the, the real estate landscape and he told the industry to say this, anytime a person asks you, how's the market, just say it's unbelievable or just say it's great. Because if you do that, because he treated it as if somebody was handling an objection. Now he was a master salesperson, great guy, very successful. But think about that. We still have thousands of realtors today who have asked, how's the market? They respond, it's great. It's unbelievable. I've never been busier. All I need is a few more listings. It's kind of even off. Okay, neither side has an advantage. Now, when somebody, so that's the first impression we make with the public. Now, at the same time, we have realtors that are advertising. In fact, I own the URL, Real Estate Trusted Advisor. They're advertising now. I'm a trusted advisor, and they're also advertising of their thinking of their business in terms of, I don't sell real estate, I sell lifestyles. And yet, when they have their first audition with a consumer, and a consumer asks, how's the market? And somebody actually responds by saying, it's great, it's unbelievable, I've never been busier. That doesn't reflect a trusted advisor, deep, analytical, scholastic brain at work. That's basically saying to the public, can we please change the subject because I'm completely uncomfortable having an in-depth conversation about what I do for a living. So to say to somebody, it's unbelievable, it's great, I would classify those answers as conversation killers, room clearers, because if there was a thought bubble, somebody would say, geez, I guess this person doesn't want to talk about real estate, and even worse, this person's a moron, okay? I'm asking this person to give me an update, okay, about the market, and all they can deliver, it's unbelievable. It's great because that was our heritage. But my point is this, 50 years ago, people were suggesting that people should say that, and we still have some 50 years later that are using that hackneyed, tiresome, cliche approach that doesn't give them an opportunity to do a lot more business. As a, so that's, that's a dump. Here's a do. If you'd like, Jeff, you're going to say something, please. I was going to, well, I was going to ask you, what should they say? What, what is, what is, is that, was that the do? That's the, yeah, that's the don't. Okay. okay. Well, be prepared because first of all, again, I may not be right, but I'm convinced most realtors have never stuck and thought for hundreds of hours. What exactly should I say when somebody asks, how's the market? Because, because they, they may not be cognizant that 100% of their income is essentially derived from how they communicate and how they communicate their value. So, Alan, how's the market? Jeff, thanks for asking. Now, first of all, we'll stop right there. What percentage of realtors do you think even say thanks for asking? Try 1% if that. Jeff, thanks for asking because in world-class selling courses, you are taught anytime anybody inquires about what you do for a living, what you represent or what you're going to sell, thank them for that. Encourage them for that. 
Jeff, thanks, thanks for asking. We're in a very opportunistic market right now. There are great opportunities for both for, for buyers, sellers, and investors. Now I'd like to ask you a question. Let's stop it right here. That's why you that's why you say thank you for asking, because based upon the principle of reciprocity, because you've been asked a question, now you have the professional permission to ask them a question in return. Now, Jeff, let me ask you a question. When do you think you might be making your next real estate move? Now, contrast that with this. How's the market? Oh, it's unbelievable. Oh, by the way, Jeff, which, which kid is yours on the soccer field out there? It's just, a, it's a conversation killer. So now you're, you're earning the possibility of doing business. So now let's say that the consumer says, well, we'll probably be moving in a year or so. Well, they ask why. Yeah, our youngest son's going off to college. Well, Jeff, it may be too soon to start talking about the marketing of your home, but let's get together in the next week or so and start planning a merchandising strategy. Now, let's stop right here. Most agents will never get to that point in the conversation because they're not that strategic enough in this, in this vignette. But then also, 99% of realtors, in my opinion, don't use the word merchandising as much as the word staging. They're all into staging, but staging is what you do when somebody is ready to get their home ready to put on the market. Merchandising is all the things they do strategically to the home while they're living there to increase its value. So I'm not gonna say, well, Jeff, it's too soon to talk about the marketing of your home, but why don't we get together over the next few weeks and start talking about staging? That's not gonna work the same way. Let's start, let's get together and start planning a merchandising strategy, okay? Now, or we're going to downsize. Well, I've created programs for, for my networks, downsizing with distinction. These are proprietary to HSF, uh, downsizing by design, downsizing with distinction. Well, look at, I'd like, to, I'd like to email you some information on our downsizing program. Now, a year later, now here's what happens. How's the market, Alan? Oh, it's unbelievable. Three months later, I drive by their home and I see another company's facility sign because I didn't extend the, all the possibilities when I was given permission to do so because I can't unilaterally go up to people at a social function and say, thinking of selling, thinking of moving, thinking of selling, when are you going to move? Okay, they think I was out of my head. And so, but how many times a week does somebody come up and ask us, how's the market? All the time. That's invaluable. That's invaluable, especially in the age of social media. Those have to be optimized, right? So now, so now, whether it's downsizing, whether it's moving up or whatever, a year from now, if these people are thinking of selling, and I've already inserted myself by sending them downsizing information, moving up information, okay, merchandising information, I've met with them in terms of that, that can lead to two transactions. That can lead to me securing the listing and working with them on the buying side, okay, of their, of their transition in terms of that. That's how powerful words are, but again, to be deliberately redundant. When realtors go to the convention and they go up and down the exhibit aisles and the scene reminisce into the little cricket treating rituals with all the bags going to the booths, they're not going to go to a booth that in a million years deals with a subject like this 
And if they go to an Inman conference or these high-tech conferences, the whole idea of how to more properly communicate has given way to what you have to do just on social media. So that would be one example, and I'm happy to give other examples if you want me to. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and I wanted to I wanted to ask you kind of a follow-up in a, in a way to all of that, which, you know, you, 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 you mentioned it's almost like an articulation science, if you will, or, or that, that's the kind of thing that they need to work on. But where does someone gain this eloquence and this knowledge to be able to do this? Because as you mentioned, the reality is the industry is very antiquated, not only in age, but also in technique. And so if I'm a realtor sitting here, because this is reality, this is one of the reasons, Alan, you and I don't know each other that well, but one of the reasons I'm successful is because I'm innovative, because I think differently, because I don't I don't look at the way the past did it and say, I'm going to do it that way. I say, how can I be better? How can I do it you know, more innovatively? How can I do it different? Uh, so if I'm an agent sitting there saying, gosh, I'm in a town of antiquated realtors, what the hell am I supposed to do? What is your advice to someone like that? Well, first of all, speaking of, of antiquated, you're right, and, and I'm a perfect example of that. We have a lot of older horses still kicking around the barn uh, throughout the industry, and it's great to have these changes. But I, I will go a little bit further into this point. Steve Jobs once said, most people, the biggest mistake they make is they focus on market segmentation versus market desegmentation. In other words, I used to have agents in my company. They'd be in a town where there were two horse properties, but they were equestrian specialists. That was the differentiator. There was only two that would sell over every 50 years, but they were an equestrian specialist. Or there's two condo buildings, and someone told the condo king. The whole idea is to, is according to Steve Jobs, is look for the largest swath of commonality Okay, and then serve them. And, and we're fortunate because we have two major swaths. They're called sellers and they're called buyers. One of the problems that people have is that instead of learning greater skills, which would work for everybody, for example, how's the market? Well, if somebody's a millennial and they like to get their messages on text and emails and they belong to network and social media, or, or whether somebody's very old, if somebody asks, how's the market? It works for anybody to say, thanks for asking. We're in a very opportunistic market because that's what it is. See, every market in history is opportunistic. The only thing that sells is accuracy. Okay, there's, there's like one set of facts. Every market's opportunistic. There's always opportunity, just like there's not a stock market, it's a market of stocks. You have to search Okay, Warren Buffett would say, you have to search for the opportunities. And in the real estate market, if homes are going down in value, you can sell your home and buy something larger and take advantage of somebody's greatest misfortune, okay? If, if, if homes are, you know, in every single element, if, if, if interest rates are high, then you, homes come down in value, okay? If, there's a, if, if homes aren't selling for the buyer, there's more inventory. Every single market is an opportunistic market, but it challenges realtors to develop the knowledge to be able to articulate the opportunities based on individual needs, okay? But if you just say it's unbelievable, or if you just say it's a buyer's market, then I don't want to sell. 
If it's Ella's market, I don't want to buy. Now, these aren't little semantics. These are powerful things. But now let's get back to what the industry has done instead. Rather than taking the time in terms of more accurately articulate marketplace knowledge, instead, a lot of people have spent their time trying to be pop psychologists. What labels do I put in, people in? Are they a D? Is this one an I? Is this one an S? Is this one a C? Okay, is if they're going to go to a home, there's going to be uh, a husband and a wife uh, or whatever, two partners, okay, kids, okay, parents involved, and they're going to in instantaneously, in five minutes, label and categorize everybody and as if that's what they think the key to success, it was the same thing as this. Oh, Jeff, if somebody's an audio person, you should say this. Jeff, how does this sound to you? And then if they're a visual person, Jeff, how does this look to you? And then if they're a tactile person, hey, Jeff, how does this feel to you? As opposed to really being able to explain and solve problems, because every single home seller wants the best price and it should, the old cliche, Buyers, they're going to say what they want. It's not as though people have bought, built houses for certain groups, although to a degree they have. And so that means that we've got to be more accurate. We've got to be more accurate in terms of desegmenting language, which language applies to virtually everybody. Okay. You're welcome. Thank you. Okay. Certain messages. What homeowner wouldn't like the message? Marketing rules at the highest level. What age group wouldn't like somebody saying most agents focus on selling more homes? My focus is selling homes for more. Is there any age crap wouldn't like to hear that message? So that's what we have to get back to the commonality of the human experience, okay, and being able to better articulate value and avoid things that everybody hates. What are those? For example, like I said, there's not a home seller in any age group that wants to be told their home is a comp. Let's take a look at some comparable children. And as I said last meeting, every homeowner of all age groups, if somebody says, let's take a look at similar homes, they're going to say, but that home does, can't walk to town. That home doesn't have a new kitchen. I don't care what age they are. So instead of, instead of people learning what applies to everybody, they're going to these little seminars, you know, with chicken fricassee or something, and three hours of, with these power games Okay, as opposed to really learning their craft and learning how to communicate the common experience. That's my perspective. At the same time, of course, there's differences in all ages, but we can't conflict the two. But there's certain things everybody wants in terms of results, and they want us understand that you can do a great job of marketing uh, their property. Okay, and so I'll give you another example. Most of the industry has been trained, as I said last time, to say to a home seller when they present the first offer, well, oftentimes the first offer is the best offer. I don't care whether somebody's 21 or 91, they're not stupid enough not to be bothered by that because it suggests that I'm nudging you, even though I'm representing you, I may as well be the buyer agent because isn't that exactly what the buyer agent would say? Okay? And so there's, there's many, many things like that, and then we'll get, I'll give you another example. Let's talk about expired listings. Now, first, let's talk about pricing in terms of how, how bad and how the industry hasn't evolved with pricing, other than the fact 
that we have been consumed. Uh, I don't know if I get into pricing. Did we talk about pricing in the last meeting, Jeff? No, not, not much, no. Okay, for a lot, a lot of people aren't going to connect it to anyway, so I'm not worried about that. Uh, here, here's, here's the point. Here's how the industry has been trained to, to introduce pricing. Well, folks, I went into the computer. This column here is days in the market. This column here is absorption rate. The, oh, by the way, this column here, these are the homes in the market. That would be your competition. Now, I'm saying this sarcastically, but to some people, this will sound good. This is absorption rate. This is withdrawals and so forth and so on. Because they didn't ask themselves those questions. I think I did cover that. Bureau of Bad News and all that. Did I cover that? Yeah. Okay. And so, and so for example, but see, that's, that's operating at the data level. So it doesn't matter who anybody is, at what age, what their education, they want to have options and they want to see that you have expertise. And you don't have expertise just waving a spreadsheet. You have, you have expertise by showing critical thinking. We provide our clients with three different pricing strategies. Some want to base it on data. Some want to underprice it because they want to create competition. Some want to put a little cushioning because they think people are going to negotiate. There's more to it than that. That's before you get to the data. Let's talk about, for example, the, the consequences of that people saying that homes are sold because of price. Let's talk specifically about FISBOs and expired listings. Now, there aren't many FISBOs these days, but there's going to be, and there aren't many expired listings, but the next five years is going to be a lot, in my opinion. But the way in which we respond to for sale by owners and expire listing home sellers is the single most glaring example of how we haven't changed in 50 years in terms of our self-perception and how we internalize value. Here's how some people still to this day would talk to a for sale by owner. Jeff, by the way, have you had, let's say in person, Jeff, by the way, have you had many offers? Okay. All right. Now, whether you're 30 or you're 80, you're smart enough to know that I'm basically backing you into the corner because it's, it's like going to the doctor and having the doctor say, Jeff, how have you been feeling? But you think the doctor's hoping you've been sick. So when a realtor says to a facility by owner, have you had many offers? The facility owner is thinking that the realtor is hoping that I haven't. See, it, it doesn't get more perverse than this. So what does that force the home seller to say? It causes them to lie, Jeff. Because you'll never ask a facility buyer, have you had many offers? And say, oh, no, we haven't had any action. No activity whatsoever. So why? But we've been asking that question for 50 years, okay? And it, and it forces them to lie. Now, because they'll lie, that means they can't do business with you for a long time because you've caused them to exteriorize their lie, Okay. Moreover, they resent you for causing them to be a liar. And that's why we call working FISBOs, you've heard it, a drip drip. Because it takes the facility owner weeks and months to get over the trauma. Because they're meeting an amateur. Okay. What should we say to a facility owner? Now, why did why did we why did we tell FIS, why did we attack facility owners? Why do we still attack facility owners? Why do we ask him something like that? Why would he why do we tell them you can't qualify? Why do we tell them you can't negotiate? They can have a buyer qualified and they can negotiate. Why do we say things like that? Because we never understood the difference between selling a home and marketing a home. When somebody sells a home, they sell it to a buyer. You're representing the buyer. 
When somebody markets a home, they're representing the seller. But 30, 40, 50 years ago, we didn't even have anybody using the word marketing. If an agent met a home sale, I sold this, I sold that. Even when they were representing the seller, they still say, I sold this one, I sold that one. Okay. Now, because we didn't make these distinctions, okay, we conflated them. So therefore, what we don't understand is that FISBOs are what I refer to as their FISBO, their for sale by owners, but we should see ourselves as FIMBOs for marketing by agent. We're in a completely different category that does two completely different things. Anybody can sell a home, but only a professional realtor can market a home. But that's going back to, we still actually call people listing agents versus marketing agents. It's, it's horrific, okay? So then if you understand that you don't sell a home when you represent a home seller, as simple as that is, and everybody listen, oh, I know that, oh, I get that, but it doesn't, it's not reflected in their language, then you can say this to a facility owner, Jeff, if all you want to do is sell your home, you don't need me because you can sell your own home. Now let's stop right there. What percentage of facility owners do you think have ever heard or would expect a realtor to say to them, if all you want to do is sell your home, you, can, you don't need me because you can sell your own home. In fact, statistically, you can do a better job of selling your home, Jeff, than I can, because 95% of the time, the listing agent doesn't coincidentally bring the buyer, but more than 5% of facility owners sell their own. So if all you want to do is sell your home, you don't need me, Jeff, because you can do a much better job of selling your home than I can. See, that's disarming, but it's also the truth. Nothing sells like the truth. So now you're tenderizing the facility owner. They don't expect to hear this. And because of the principle of reciprocity, because you're acknowledging what they can do, they're now prepared to acknowledge what you can do and what you do is different. But if instead you're telling them what they can't do, you can't qualify, you can't negotiate. You've got to be careful about strangers in the home. These things have been around for 50 years, which is why people don't rate realtors high as, as we should be rated in terms of that. And so what's, so, so the language with the facility would be like this. Uh, Jeff, by the way, speaking of, so if all you want to do is sell your home, you don't need me because you can sell your home, your own. But if you like to market your home, I'd love to represent you. Now, what's the difference? When you sell a home, Jeff, you sell it to a buyer. When we market a home, we get it sold to the right buyer. You see, I don't want to just sell your home. I want to create competition for your home. See, Jeff, all pricing is governed by the laws of supply and demand. Your home represents the supply, and I want to manage and accelerate and intensify the demand. I believe that the 8,000 realtors in the market can tremendously outperform you more than just by more than 5 or 6%. So I want, to, I want to create competition. Why would you ever not... What percentage of the market don't you want to have exposure to your home? Why would you ever want your home off-Broadway? You've got a beautiful home. I want people fighting and in, in, in competing over the home. That's why you could sell a Super Bowl ticket for the face value of $1,000. You might be able to market it for two, three, four, five, because the last thing you ever want to do is sell your own home. Now, with that, I'd like to show you about our marketing, how I customize the marketing, okay? Well... Well, Alan, what's your fee? Now, fees are negotiable. So now let's say I said my fee is uh, 6%, okay, just to pick a number. And again, it's all negotiable. There's, everyone has a different fee. Alan, what's your fee at 6%? Well, Alan, um, the, other, the other company said they'd do it for four. Now, 
if the people love me because I've been acting the right way, it's, it's not an act, it's who I am. If they love the way I'm feeling about them, what I'm going to do for them, then I can insert a little bit of executive humor. Alan, the other company said do it for 4%. Jeff, with all respect, knowing their marketing, I'm a little surprised they're trying to charge that much. Okay, I can't believe they're trying to charge 4% because they're basically a listing company. We're a marketing company. Or they're doing it 1%. Now, never, what realtors have to do is convert percentages into points. Because the difference between 6 and 5%, maybe 16% or so, and that's how they're thinking. You've got to convert that to a point. Jeff, all we're talking about is one point difference. I believe, see, never say, but I get better service. Because if you said that to me, Jeff, I'll say, well, gee, Jeff, I have a million-dollar home, let's say. Uh, what's your fee? It's 6%. Why? Well, the other company said they charge 4 Why should I pay you 6 Oh, Alan, because I get better service. A lot of realtors, that's what they'll still say, okay? Well, let me ask you this, Jeff. I don't have a sense of all of this, and I hope my home's not an annoying. And the, the other point is this, and Jeff, um, I have a son uh, who has a $100,000 home. Uh, what's your fee for him? Well, it's 6% Allen. Well, Jeff, let me ask you this. Why do I have to pay? Well, let me ask you this. Are you going to, does it cost, why do I have to pay 10 times as much for the same great service, Jeff? Does it, does it cost you 10 times as much for the facility sign, the open house? The pull on the internet? Does it take 10 times as long, Jeff, to sell my home? It's a good rebuttal. Why am I paying 10 times? See, there's no logical, you can't fight math with math. But instead, you can say this, Jeff, the reason why it's 6% for both is actually because my negotiating skills alone are worth one point. And for you, that's worth $10,000. And for your son, it's worth only $1,000. My merchandising stages skills are worth at least one point. And for your son, it's only $1,000, okay? But we can always come back to the fee later if you don't see the value in the marketing, okay? In fact, one of the reasons, you say you get a million-dollar home, one of the reasons, Jeff, your home is so valuable is because when you when it was built, no one cut corners, did they? And you haven't cut corners. And, and that's great because money follows value. And just in the same way that the no one cut corners on the building of the home, let's not cut corners on the marketing of the home. And by the way, I also want to make you a promise. After I get you the results, if you like a lot of people, you're going to want to give me an additional bonus, but I'm not going to accept it. But we can always come back to the fee later if you don't see the value in the marketing. There's 50 other things I can say, but the point is this. The value has to be on your skills, not on your service. Service is the skills of the cake. Service is just the frosting in the cake. And that's where a lot of realtors, but if, if somebody can show better marketing ideas, better programs, better range and reach and influence, that's going to bother them. But see, but again, it's the difference between a FISBO, somebody selling a home, and marketing a home, but people have to get deeper into the benefits of, of marketing. So that's just one example of how things have stayed the same with facility by owners. And we have to move on in terms of better educating sellers, okay, that there's a monumental difference between anybody looking to sell a home, even if a realtor left the business, they can sell their home like the consortium can market their home. And that has to be articulated by universal truths 
like all pricing comes down to the laws of supply and demand, okay, and so forth and so on. It's fascinating. There's a, there's again, once again, as as uh, I'm, I'm learning, there's a lot to unpack here. I, one of the things that come to mind is that when what you're describing, and and, and you, you did several of them, uh, it almost seems like a reverse psychology, like like uh, most realtors are are, are trained or bred or for whatever reason they, they have the same style and and very few of them or, or it's almost like a used car salesman style versus what you just suggested which is you almost you hit them right in the mouth so to speak and and challenge them like you said with the the fisbo which is which is hey you don't need me to sell your house exactly. right and and so do you think that there's there's a there's a little bit of a, a fear from agents, I mean, I, I think it's a lack of just education and training on this kind of stuff. They don't no, see the value it's, in it. It's a mindset. It's a mindset because everything begins with the germ that we haven't purged. That being that in every textbook, it always read either the market or the buy determines the price. So if anybody accepts that catastrophic mistake, that automatically leads to, I don't have that much value. See, a stockbroker doesn't have that much value in transacting a stock, okay? They have value in recommending stocks, but they don't have value in transacting stocks because the market determines the price of what a stock sells for. Yeah. So we have clumsily and lazily brought over explanations from disciplines, from apples into oranges. And if all the textbooks were saying, either the seller, either the market or the buyer determines the price, then I have absolutely no value other than facilitating the transaction, doing paperwork, okay, and arranging the appraisal, and not only that, or just on the pricing, so my whole value collapses to that of an appraiser. But if I understand that, that the market is only influenced by the, the price is only influenced by the market, but it's determined by the buyer agent, the seller agent, the lender, the appraiser, now that basically stimulates me to discover and learn how I can bring more value so my homes will sell for more. There's better stories, there's better representation, there's better negotiating. But our industry is the easiest business to get into, and it's the most difficult to be very successful. That's why there's no people in the universe I respect more than successful realtors. Because millions come and go, but they've got to be world-class at what they do. But I would still say that a lot of them are world-class in terms of communicating their own value. Because I'll give an example, a great example about the listing presentation, which should be a marketing proposal. If I were to ask every realtor in the country, describe how real estate marketing works. Very few to my satisfaction, and I'm not on Mount Olympus here, but very few to my satisfaction would be able to succinctly explain how real estate marketing works. They'd be all over the map, okay? And, and, so, and so if they don't have a concrete example, and even before I give that example, let's go back to, the marketing. I said this last time. 
Every realtor knows marketing is important, but very few can properly define it. Marketing is first determining the unmet needs in the marketplace and then creating goods and services to effectively respond to those needs. So, Johnny, you do a lot of marketing. Oh, yeah, I sent up 50,000 pumpkins. Yeah, but um, people aren't saying, gee, we got a pumpkin, let's move up. It doesn't satisfy a need. It's a nice touch. And agents who send out pumpkins will make more than agents who don't, so God bless them. But if you don't start with understanding what real marketing is, you may be investing in the wrong things, okay? And the same thing with how homes are marketed. So homes are marketed, I, I've synthesized it to this. Real estate marketing comes down to three words. Range, I said this before, but it's so, it's, it's so important to reinforce it. Uh, marketing, because it's the cornerstone of every, all the value of the industry. Marketing comes down to three words, Jeff, in real estate. Range, reach, and influence. Range is the internet. Reach is IDX. They can explain it. And then there's influence. Everybody can do range and reach. I have to do influence. And if they, if they really understand that, then they can have a conversation with the homeowner. They don't see the homeowner as a listing presentational victim. They see them as a collaborator. And now they can be co-authors of the narrative, which makes it impossible for them not to list with you, okay? And you have a completely different value. But if you see yourself as making, a, if you see yourself as a listing agent, you make listing presentations and you're not alerting your brain, okay? to go deeper into marketing, even to the point where you can explain it like you really understand it, and you're not gonna get into all of the elements of it. And we've talked about some of that uh, before. And so, and then, and then that also carries over to expires. If we believe that homes don't sell because of price, as opposed to ineffective marketing, which price is part of, and as I said many times, a realtor can go through their career thinking one or the other. Homes don't sell because of price, because if you lower the price enough, somebody will buy it. You can have five dead bodies in the basement, lower the price enough, somebody will buy it. And they can be correct. But they can also be correct in saying, homes don't sell because of ineffective marketing, because price is part of marketing. Okay, because it could be, maybe you didn't have to adjust the price. It could be staging, better marketing, better communication, better story and you'd be right there. So the realtors have to decide which, which path do I want to go down and which path will lead to me as, ascending my value. I think it's when they have the mindset that homes don't sell because of ineffective marketing because price is part of marketing. Now that takes us to expire listing homeowners because if somebody's really trying to, if at some point in time we get back to markets again with 20, 30, 40% of homes, which isn't the case now, thank God, because of the COVID spike. Let's say we get 20, 30, 40% of homes that now become so-called expires, okay? How does, this, how does this different mindset affect? The person who doesn't have a marketing anchor, who doesn't have the three reasons, the three tenets of marketing, price, uh, range, reach, and influence, who thinks that homes don't sell because of price, instead of ineffective marketing, and who thinks the market determines the price versus all of the, the stakeholders, here's what they're gonna to say to an expired. They're gonna call an expired listing home seller, and they're actually gonna to try to convince the home seller that they're better. And by virtue of them trying to convince the home seller they're better, 
what they're effectively saying to the home seller who doesn't even know them, folks, I'm the best at what you hate. I'm king rat. Because at that point in time, home sellers are down on the entire real estate community. And so that's not the time for any, that's when the homeowner is going to be a deflator of pomposity. They don't want to hear anybody bragging, okay? But that's all that's left, okay, of, to the agent who's a listing agent. But, but because if they think the home didn't sold because of price, they can't be effective. Now, for, for 20 years, I called all the expires of the company. And here's what I said to all of them. Hi, Jeff. Alan Dalton, uh, Murphy Realty, Better Homes and Gardens. I see on the computer that I'm no longer able to show your home. And I was wondering, do you still want to get your home sold? Now, when you say it that confidently, that optimistically, after they've been listening to people whine because the home hasn't sold for three or four months, that, that has an impact on them. But then let's, let's say they say, no, no, no. Okay, I, and I, apparently you have some reason, whatever. But I'm going to say this, the reason I'm calling Jeff, and thank you for just even listening to me, I really appreciate it. Jeff, the reason I'm calling is that, has anybody told you exactly why your home didn't sell? Now, let's stop right there. And this is 20 years of 99% of getting listings with, appointments with these people. Has anybody told you exactly why your home didn't sell? Now, the industry wouldn't typically ask that question because why do you think the industry thinks it didn't sell? Because it's overpriced. Mm -hmm. So they don't want to rub people's face in the dirt of their misfortune. So they're going to avoid that. So now they can't be a solutionist. Some people will never get remarried unless they can resolve what happened in the other marriage. A lot of home sellers can't move on unless they are able to understand professionally, sensitively, and kindly, and expertly what went wrong. So because I know I can explain what went wrong, I'm going to ask that question. Jeff, did anybody tell you exactly why your home didn't sell? No, not really. Or, yeah, somebody said it was price. No, there's only one reason why a home doesn't sell in Metro St. Louis, Jeff, and that's because of ineffective marketing, because price is just a part of marketing. What I'd like to do is I'd like to come over and show you how we can upgrade your marketing. Do you still have an open mind about different marketing ideas, Jeff? See, it's almost impossible for people to say no to these questions, mm. because when you ask a home seller, are you still open-minded about different marketing ideas? because it's all about marketing again. It's not about listing, it's not about how great I am. Are you still open-minded about different marketing ideas? What you're basically saying, it's a code. It's basically saying, are you willing to, to basically attribute some or all of the blame to the realtor who represented you, but I'm not gonna be disrespectful and say, okay, do you think your realtor failed you, okay, for a lot of ethical reasons, and so I could euphemistically say, do you still have an open mind about different marketing ideas? Because who do you think the home seller thinks has been responsible for the marketing? Their agent. Mm -hmm. So if they're open-minded about different marketing ideas, now what if somebody says this? Well, Alan, how come you didn't sell the home when it was listed? Jeff, that's a great question. But with all due respect, I think the even more important question, if I can talk to you like I know you here, Jeff, is that why didn't one of 8,000 realtors have the right buyer? See, I didn't have the right buyer. Okay, but that's, if I had the right buyer, that would have been an aberration, or to some people, that would have been a great statistical exception because there's 8,000 people working with buyers. The greatest question is that how come not one out of 8,000 had the right buyer? And that was because of ineffective marketing. I'd like to come by 
and show you how we can upgrade the market. Now, when I get there, it could be lower the price, a lot of different things, which I'd say we've got to improve your shelf positioning or whatever. Okay, there's a lot of things that that has to do with the whole universe of pricing, but I've got to be able to call as a marketing pro, as a solutionist, talking about, I'd like to come by and show you how we can upgrade the marketing. Do you still have an open mind about different marketing? Hey, Jeff, I've been looking forward to calling you for weeks, but I couldn't call you to today because of our code of ethics. I'm, I'm really looking forward to meeting you. Having a lot of enthusiasm, and then, hey, I'm going to get expires all over the county. I'm going to make a great living just on expires. But somebody is somebody. But people say this. I don't like working for Silver Islands. I don't blame you because we've been assaulting them for 50 years. I don't like expires because those should be the most pleasant because you're helping people who need the most help. Mm -hmm. You're a savior. You're a solutionist. You just have to have the communication. And whether they're millennials, okay, senior citizens, Generation X, it doesn't matter, okay, because you're basically showing, just like if somebody comes in and they've broken their arm, I don't care what age group they're in. I'm going to show them on the x-rays what happened to their elbow. And if somebody's home hasn't sold, there's only one reason. It was ineffective marketing because price is power marketing. That tells the whole story. You have an answer. Why do I want to meet somebody who can't even solve the problem? I, you can't even get to solutions if you don't solve the, the problem. And then the other one here that's very important is that how many times a week, like I said, when no, let's talk about buyers. How many, how many people are working with buyers that haven't basically come up with a communication system for buyers? Number one, you've heard me say this before, maybe in the last meeting, okay? Uh, it's not like I'm keeping impeccable track of everything I said last time, okay? But the thing is this, we don't qualify buyers, we help people establish their purchasing power. When you say to a buyer, let's get you qualified, that's very insulting, demeaning, and people don't like to hear stuff like that, okay? Like you're bringing them down to the principal's office or you're, you're seeing if they qualify, mm -hmm. okay? We've got people that are surgeon generals and billionaires, they've got to hear that, well, let's see if you qualify. No. Good, let's just establish your purchasing power, which, are, which will help us when we get to negotiate this. Boom, boom. There's a better way of saying everything. The next thing is this. Never, never ask a buyer for their loyalty. Thank them for their loyalty. If you ask a buyer for their loyalty, that's about you. You thank them for their loyalty, they'll live up to that. Just like get off the back of the business cards where people actually put this. The sincerest compliment somebody can pay me <laughs> is to send me the referrals of their family and friend. That's nice. ubiquitous. Tradition. It's a tradition. No one wants to hear that because it's all about you. Here's what I recommend. My greatest professional privilege is to serve the needs of your family and friends. Okay? See, think about how what you'd rather. Okay? There's a difference between inside-out and outside-in marketing in terms of that. So, so, so in terms of working with buyers, Establish their purchasing power, never ask them for their loyalty, thank them for their loyalty. You may want to say you've got your buyer guarantee, list the five things you'll do. I'll make sure I show you all property, whether it's listed or not, that's on the market. I'll do this, I'll do that. I'll help you negotiate. I'll help you resolve any financial disputes or maintenance issues. Or, you know, come up with something that you guarantee, that's easy to guarantee. So you can put with your name, the Alan Dalton buyer's guarantee. All right? Now, 
Now you take them to the first property. They seem as though they like the property, but they haven't said they want to buy it. What do you say? I've asked thousands of my colleagues that over the years. Well, I'll ask them this. What did you like? Never ask that. It's like if somebody said to, you, to your wife, Jeff, hey, what do you like about your husband? Because it suggests that this thing she doesn't like, okay? What do you like about living in New Jersey? What do you like about living in California, okay? Never say, never say um, well, gee, can you see your furniture fitting here? I mean, these are the tight things you hear sometimes. It's, it's mind-boggling. There's, there's still residue of this from 40 years ago. Yeah. Um, could you see, would, you, would your furniture fit? Yeah, my furniture can fit in homes all over the world. I never, you couldn't pay me to live in. Okay, so that's like the stupid like question to ask anybody, okay? The next thing is that, so now when somebody sees the property and they seem as though they like it, they're standing in the foyer, what do you say? Here's what a lot of realtors will say. Well, that depends on the situation. No, this is the situation. It takes place time and time again across North America. So what do you ask them? Now, some people will say this, they wouldn't say a lie, but they'd find it sound heroic. Well, would you like to make an offer? Okay, this is the first home. They haven't said they want it. Okay, sounds like they've got to get money to go to the racetrack. Okay, so you don't want to talk to people like that. So here's what you say. You show the first property. These are professional selling techniques. Jeff, based upon what you've seen, in your opinion, do you believe that this home might, feature families, might meet your family's needs? Now, what am I doing? I'm not asking for a decision. I'm asking for an opinion. It's called a trial close. 30, 40 years ago, people were talking about trial closes, reverse the techniques, than today. We've abandoned all of the, the, the learnings and the teaching over the years of professional selling techniques and communication because none of it is manipulative. It's helpful to consumers. Just like lawyers have language, doctors have language, and a lot of the language that a lot of the coaches um, share is hideous. It's absolutely hideous because it's not consumer-centric and it's counterproductive. So you've got to have language, and I'll give you some examples of this, okay? So um, in your opinion, do you feel this all might meet your family's need, Jeff? No, it's not for us. Here's what some realtors will do. Well, it does have this. You said you wanted that. It's like, what's wrong? Are you stupid? Am I stupid? What's the problem here? There'll be some people like that because they sense that they're a little frustrated. But the vast majority of agents, when I ask if somebody says that, they'll either say, well, why? Which is too short and abrasive word like they're at the police station or they're off to the next home. Or they'll say, well, what didn't you like? Did the homeowner say they didn't like anything? If somebody in high school or college is trying to fix some, a friend up with a date, well, I don't want to date him. I don't want to date her. Well, what didn't you like? I didn't say I didn't like. I just don't want to date. Hmm. There's nothing I, I don't dislike the home. But see, you couldn't even ask that in the court. What didn't you like? Because it's leading the witness. Mm-hmm. We're trying to put words in people's mouth. And that's why they get frustrated. That's why we don't get referrals from these people, because it's not a comfortable experience. So in your opinion, do you feel this home meets your family's needs? No, it's not for us. So I can't overcome the objection. I have to professionally meet the objection. And this is all through world-class training programs. Not mine. This language isn't mine. Jeff, apparently you have some reason for feeling that way. May I ask what it is? See, I'm not trying to overcome it. Language is the clothing of ideas. I need to find out what they're thinking 
but I've got to do it in a way without incurring the wrath of the consumer. So it's got to be surgical, respectful, just like a psychologist would. Because a lot of realtors are walking around saying things, they're butchering people, while at the same time say, you know what, I'm a this, I'm a doctor, I'm a psychologist, I'm a teacher. <laughs> no, you're not, okay? Because you're not using the language that these people would use. So, Jeff, apparently you have some reasons for feeling that way, mass, but it is. Yeah, the bedrooms are too small. Now, a lot of realtors with that, they're automatically thinking of other listings that have bigger bedrooms. And they're driving, they're in the car by now because they haven't verified that objection. So that's the next technique in terms of communication for all ages. See, millennials, old timers, it works with everybody. Jeff, if you weren't concerned about the size of the bedrooms, I don't have to say, how does this sound to you? How does this feel to you? How does this look to you? You're a D, you're an I, you're an S, you're a C. No, Jeff, if you weren't concerned about the size of the bedrooms, let's say there were more to your liking, then in your opinion, do you feel this home might meet your family's needs? Oh yes, but the bedrooms are too small. Then that's the next technique. Now, now a lot of them, a lot of them say, uh, no, we still wouldn't. Well, apparently you have some other reason. May I ask what that is? Yeah, you know what? The more we think about it, we're not going to wait. We're not going to buy till next spring anyway. I want to find out in the right house, the first house, because a realtor works with somebody, the bedrooms are too small. Then they show them a house with big bedrooms. They love them, but they don't like the family room. Then they go to another house. They love the bedrooms in the family room, but the kitchen's outdated. Then somebody at work says, try out my town. Then they're in a different town. Then they're driving somebody around for four weeks until the buyers finally say, hey, Jeff, you know what? We think we're going to wait till the spring anyway because they never had surgical communication skills that would give the homeowner the safety and the comfort to express their true motivations in a protected way that's very professional. So, no, because the bedrooms are too small. Well, if you weren't concerned about the size of the bedrooms, let's say they were more to your liking, Jeff and Susan, then in your opinion, you feel this all might meet your family's needs? Oh yeah, but we're really, bedrooms are, we've got three teenage sons. Well, you know, Jeff, the fact that the bedrooms, now you can talk about breaking walls down, but forget that. But Jeff, the fact that the bedrooms aren't as large as you may like, okay, that may be the very reason why you might want to consider this home, okay? Because let me ask you this, do you like the neighborhood? Oh yeah, we love, they love the school system. So like this, well, you know, because, no, because, but but then you go to feel, 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 but I, no, but I can appreciate how you feel because a lot of people who moved in there, we've got doctors, lawyers, big families, adult kids, they felt this, a lot of people felt the same way, but what they found, especially people like you coming from the Midwest, people moving here to Southern California, the size of the bedrooms aren't as important. The entire environment is like a bedroom. And you've got a beautiful family room with high ceilings, a nice backyard there, the kids are so active, they're not hibernating in the, in the bedrooms. But why don't we do this? The fact that you don't like the size of the bedrooms, let's see if we can use that as a negotiating chip. Would you like to see what we might be able to do in terms of the price if I can use that as a concern? Now, there's no magic pill. Oh yeah, Alan, sign me up. But at least we're getting deeper into how serious they are about making decisions. Because otherwise you go through your career saying, there's no such thing as a perfect house. But as soon as a buyer points out one imperfection, we're on to the next, on to the next. Because you've got to remember our history years ago in surveys, a high population of realtors used to say, I don't sell real estate, it sells itself. 
So if you like a, 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 an industry of engineers and no one ever, ever took math, okay? Because they were never into the world of um, selling. And so these are just, but you can also use this on the marketing side. Jeff, based upon our marketing, in your opinion, do, do you believe we can do an effective job of marketing your property? Oh yeah, very impressed. Okay, great. How soon would you like to have your beautiful property sold to the right buyer? Well, right away, I guess, great. It's a privilege to represent you. Let's get started. Whoa, 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 whoa. Slow down, Alan. Slow down. We're not ready to uh, make a decision tonight. Now, Tommy Hopkins, this is where things have changed. Years ago, he would have told you to say this. You can't make a decision tonight. It was, it was called the, the, the merit back. See, that's weak. It's like, it's like going to a restaurant. Do you have pepperoni pizza? Would you like some pepperoni pizza? See, it's like playing the free card Monty with people. So if somebody says, we can't make a decision tonight, yeah, I'm not gonna say, you can't make a decision tonight? No, um, instead I'm gonna say, apparently you have some reason for feeling that way, mask what it is. Yes, we've got a friend in the business. Well, Jeff, if you weren't concerned about a friend, as opposed to this, well, you might not wanna do business with friends. Well, I've known some people, they've, they've sold their home and lost their friend. Okay, that's what, that's what the industry does sometimes. So, because they don't have these techniques. Jeff, if you weren't concerned about the friend, let's say that you didn't have a friend in the business, then in your opinion, would you want to have our marketing and me representing you? Now, no, I know, actually, I, I still have those. Well, may I ask what that is? Here, I think that your, your, your commission is too high. Okay, then you can address that. Well, we think we should wait till after the holidays. And instead of just saying, well, only these series buys are out and interest rates are low, and after the holidays, there'll be more competition, and the homes are seasonally radiant, and only the, this is the only time, and there's a retail frenzy over the holiday period. Instead of all those things, I've created holiday home marketing systems for my brands, okay? That it's an actual program. It's not just being verbalized as if it's not important enough to actually have a program where they can pick and choose activities, okay, which I've created over the years. But the, but the point is this, but you first have to verify these objections, okay? Okay, Alan, so we have covered a ton here and we're running long on time, but I wanted to get one more question in because we just spent a, almost 60 minutes talking about, you know, what it took, why we're here, right? But I think one of the biggest burning questions is where are we going? What do you see? What do you, what, what does the, the near-term future look like in the real estate industry? Jeff, one of the greatest descriptions of disruption that I have ever heard is this. Disruption takes place when something no longer makes sense. That accounts for the industry's buying side disruption because prior to the internet, as we all know, the only way or place a consumer and specifically a buyer could go to to get access to open a door to their dream home was to first go through a realtor for that information. That now longer, that no longer makes sense because of the range, reach, and influence of property information through portals and third-party sites like Zillow and where I was the CEO for several years at Realtor.com. So now what has happened is that that has basically disciplined the industry to say that even if 
there is a finite amount of homes that are going to sell, and it's about 5,000 homes a year. The fact that people go to the internet hasn't expanded the number of transactions. So the thing that's changed is a significant chunk of the revenue that comes out of a transaction is now paid to companies outside of the industry. Whereas before the internet, no one was paying for leads other than the broker paying the newspaper for classified advertising, which was so minor compared to what agents are now paying for leads. So the industry has become monetized on the, the buying side. And the only place that third party pools can go to further monetize their investments and expand their investments is to now also become the first point of contact with home sellers. And that, and, and the reason they'll be seductive to home sellers is because increasingly hundreds of millions of dollars, if not billions of dollars, will be invested to encourage home sellers to select their quote unquote listing marketing agent based on ratings, reviews, and rebates and fees. And money talks, okay? And so that is what is going to happen. And then when you put the advent of greater prop tech, artificial intelligence, okay? And also programs like iBuyer, it's, it's gonna be very, very disruptive in terms of the perceived value of a realtor. If there's institutions there that will buy my property and offer me, okay, expedience over more money or will offer convenience over competition, that will appeal to a certain amount of people, especially if the market uh, turns in, in terms of that. And so that means that the only way that realtors, I believe, will preemptively inoculate themselves is through some things that that we've been very involved with in, in our company and our companies, and that is this. Number one, we've got to close the real estate loyalty gap. 90% of people basically indicate that they're going to return to their realtor and only about 12% too. And I know that Tristan had Chris Stewart on and he talked some of this. And that's that's I completely agree uh, with Chris and with Christy Budnick, our CEO that there is a real estate loyalty gap. Also, that realtors have to create real estate ecosystems. Uh, because right now, with the average person moving every nine to 10 years, with that statistic, underlying that statistic is that 95% of homeowners that are researched say that they will do a home improvement. But the overwhelming percentage of the decisions on their home improvement are not involving realtors. And so even though when people say they're full service, full service has more to do with everything connected with a transaction. Oh, I'll put a humidifier in the basement to help you with water, and, you know, smells and so forth and dampness. But we're not full service because if the consumer doesn't think we're full service, they're not gonna bring us into the decision-making process. I did research when I was at Realtor.com, I paid over $100,000 for it, that revealed that Realtors come in number three when consumers are looking for advice. Hmm. That wasn't damaging 
30, 20 years ago, because people didn't go to the internet, realtors won't be disrupted, but there'll be a diminution of value. So, so it didn't affect the economics of the entire industry. But now, because people are willing to pay a referral, but I referred to them, I said it last week, I created a video called Say No to Real Estate Tariffs. In fact, I encourage your listeners to go check out that video. And I'd like to hear your response at Alan Dalton, D-A-L-L-A-N-D-A-L-T-O-N, at H as in Harry, S as in Sam, franchise.com. I'd love to see what you think, if you agree with it. This is from years ago. What we're calling referrals, I'm referring to as real estate tariffs. And we're going to be paying real estate, realtors are going to be paying real estate tariffs on the listing side, unless they basically completely change the way they're perceived. Because when realtors say, when you're ready to buy, sell a home, give me a call, that signals to the consumer, that's when you should activate me. It, we should be advertising when you're ready to buy or sell or improve your home or remodel your home, give me a call. Okay, that's a, that's a seminal difference in terms of positioning uh, power. And then, we, then I'm working on a project for our brands and how to convert databases to client bases. Because if we don't lock down clients, because as I said, people have one doctor, one dentist, one lawyer, they've got five realtors. If the industry doesn't know how, doesn't come up with a way, as I'm developing for our brands with Christy Budnick, if we don't come up with a way to help agents, and I hope the whole industry does this, convert databases to client bases, and we allow consumers to be untethered, and then when they have a real estate transactional need, view the internet as like the emergency waiting room, as opposed to coming to their family doctor first, their family or partner, realtor, single people, whatever, the whole gamut, okay? That doesn't bode well uh, for future value because there's gonna be tremendous pressure. And then when you talk about artificial intelligence, a lot of people, where the, the world is polarized as tribal. I just did some brain research. 81% of millennials want to understand the social justice realm of a brand. This is a new age. Okay, they want to see how the, 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 the human consciousness associated with it. But the country's also, and the world's becoming more polarized. But the beautiful thing is this. Artificial intelligence is more objective. There's no prejudice. There's no bias. It's statistical. Artificial intelligence is going to allow people to get sophisticated, comprehensive updates on productive data, trending data, market stuff, 24-7, every minute no realtor can keep in touch they're not going to be able to compete with the velocity of information being shared through prop tech uh, mechanisms okay that assimilate into the real estate experience well beyond the transaction therefore we have to go beyond databases to client bases we have to basically stop we have to i said before we've got to stop using words like my past clients We've got, to, we've got to evolve into that realm. So that's so I, I think where the industry is going is that if we don't go from, instead of people thinking they're in business for themselves, but instead developing practices. See, a doctor can sell the business because they don't have a, they have a practice. And we have to, we're gonna have to do the same thing in real estate. 
We're never going to be disrupted. Real, realtors will never be disrupted. Our industry won't be disrupted. But the perceived value, which is already dubious to many consumers, although it didn't matter when we controlled all the data and all the access, we paid a price on the buying side, a major chunk of transaction of revenue has gone into the coffers of what I refer to as cyberspace carpet bakers, and I respect them. And they're interlopers, and they're, you know, they're in business too. They're good people, but their business model depends on leveraging the dissatisfaction of consumers and the lack of true client relationships that sustain real estate trans that go well beyond real estate transactions and become very sustainable. That is, to me, the only place the industry will go to be able to withstand and preemptively inoculate itself against the inevitability of massive listing side disruption. That's uh, very profound, and I could not uh, agree more. I think that's excellent, Alan. Again, I wish we had more time, but this has been fantastic. This is more than we bargained for. Uh, let me ask you one last question. Where can our audience, if they want to connect with you, so you gave them that website so they can go watch that video, put a, you know, stop the tariffs, which I think is great. I, I love that analogy. W where can they connect with you? If somebody says, you know, listen, I just want more of Alan. How do I find it or how do I connect with you? How do I follow you? They can, they can text me, okay? Now, obviously, there's limit in terms of what I share because I serve at the pleasure of the brands I work for, but my phone number, they can text me, 805-338-8796. 805-338-8796. I, I also like to hear, hear what people are doing well. I, I'm a researcher. What are you doing well? What's working for you? And, and then the other thing I said last week is this. The industry has to go beyond how we serve the community to how we represent the community. And that's just not a difference of words. It's a whole subset in a whole different direction that someday maybe we'll come back and we'll just tackle that subject. I'd love to. I'd love to. I think this this definitely should be something that we do uh, at least once or twice a year because yeah. it's uh, it, it's fantastic. I enjoyed this conversation. And and listen, folks, he has been so kind to give you his, his cell phone number and he wants to have these conversations. So listen, if you enjoyed this even a fraction of much, as much as I did, uh, shoot Alan a text and uh, engage with him because I promise you, you're going to walk away a hell of a lot smarter as you probably already are if you listen to this. So Alan. And, and if there's anything you can't stand about what I say, keep it to yourself. <laughs> Okay. Because I, I know that I know there's always some of that. God bless you. Okay. Thank always, you. Always, man. Always. Alan, thank you so much, okay. man. Let's definitely stay in touch. You got it. Thanks. Bye. This episode of the Lab Goat Agents Podcast is brought to you by RedX, the complete real estate prospecting solution. RedX offers high quality lead data on expireds, for sale by owners, vacant rental property owners, pre-foreclosures, and geo leads, the number one data source for neighborhood prospecting. You can also filter, organize, and call your leads inside Vortex, the all-in-one lead management platform, free with any lead subscription. With RedX, you get more than just phone numbers. You get all the tools you need to connect with more homeowners who are actively looking to sell. RedX is offering our listeners $150 off. Just go to redx.bz forward slash LCA. That's R-E-D-X dot B-Z forward slash LCA to sign up for Red X today.
Agents Podcast.